Ladies and gentlemen, What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Berry. And took a little bit of a break for the New Year's for the holiday, in part because we were busy and also because there really wasn't much going on, of course. You know, everybody kind of gets a little bit of a break there. Arizona basketball, Brett, though, came back. They beat ASU on the road on New Year's Eve. Since then, they've also beat Washington. Neither game was particularly pretty. But each game, you know, counted as a win in the standings. So it's hard to argue against victories and be upset about any kind of win right yeah i mean i think i think people that are you could i could quibble with that a little bit because i think in each game there were periods where arizona looked pretty for stretches and then there were periods where they just oh you've been drinking too so i mean you drink enough and like yeah well i mean the the first half against asu arizona was just great it was they were they weren't even that i don't even think they were playing that great they were just surgical and then they came out asleep for the first five ten minutes of the second half right yeah. Um, and, and Washington kind of had its, it's, it's, you know, they got down by what, I think 14. Uh, and then, you know, suddenly they're, they turn it on and they, they end up, you know, holding on against a, a scrappy Washington team. But I think the, the main thing to take away from those is, you know, one, it's hard to win on the road and it's always a rivalry game. Uh, if we're calling ASU the, the basketball rival, um, you know, we shouldn't, are, well, yeah. Um, but you know, it's still hard to win not at McHale and then you still held, you know, you held firm at home against a scrappy Washington team. That's not necessarily good, but they're scrappy, right? Like there's some talent there and you, and you, you beat the team in front of you. And I think there's some lessons to be learned along the way. And they, and they played through some of those challenges and those, those rough stretches in each game. One of the things, and this is a lesson that may not be good to have learned, but I think is true. And it's going to be the case for most of the games, at least in the PAC 12 slate is that, like when Arizona was playing pro against ASU, like when was, when ASU made that comeback, it was because of things Arizona was doing. At ASU, I mean, yeah, they might have amped up their defense just a little bit, but it was Arizona coming out sleepy, as you said. You know, lazy passes, lazy fakes, turnovers leading to dunks. Once Arizona stopped doing that, they regained control of the game, and it was never really close. It was never in doubt at the end, right? Yeah. Arizona never stretched the lead to 18 again or 17 again, but they were always going to win that game. Washington and Arizona comes out, just couldn't make a shot to save their lives and play just miserable defense. Once they started playing better defense, the game got closer, and then they started making some shots, running their offense, and like, what do you know? They win the game. And I do think this Arizona team, and it's, it's symptomatic. Like a lot of teams are like this. They're not alone. But they get up for certain games, right? Like, they played well against Tennessee. From the, from the start of that one, that was a well-played game from Arizona. Indiana, um, when they played Creighton, when they played San Diego State. Like they had no trouble getting up for those games and staying focused. They're a type of team that they know they're good. They know they can play through things. They know they can play poorly for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and still win the game. Like it's somewhat comforting and incredibly frustrating because like, like these are college kids. They're gonna have those ebbs and flows, those emotions. Like, did you ever think they're gonna lose to Washington last? You know, I don't think so. I never thought. I was like, oh, Arizona's gonna start playing like Arizona, they're gonna win this game. Yeah. And sure enough, they did. Will that work all the time? 
it shouldn't. But until it doesn't, like that's just they are that talented where they can flip a switch and start playing. Like if they're playing poorly, it's like okay, stop doing that, and all of a sudden they're in control of the game. Yeah, I think there's a there's a, a flip side to that argument too, though, is that you know the fact that they have done that and have flipped the switch means come later in the season in March and hopefully April when you do take a punch or two and you're down you have the confidence that you can wake yourself back up. Okay. Right. Okay. You know, I'll buy a, that. Lot of, a lot of young, uh, there's momentum is a real thing in college sports, even more than it is in pro sports because it's not professional guys, uh, you know, NIL jokes aside. <laughs> um, but you know, they, they are younger. They're not trained professionals. There's it's not literally all they do. So they're not, and they're not as refined because they're not professionals. Right. So that confidence and that energy level, matter and i i almost think the confidence is more important than the energy level okay. uh, to, to some extent and so i think the fact that they were able to play through that will pay off in a game in march against a hostile crowd uh where they know that even if they get down by 10 or so points they can turn this around they and they know they're capable of waking themselves up and the fact that tommy lloyd let them play through you know that that dreadful start to the second half at ASU without calling a timeout you know, I think that was that was a that was an investment in March right there in terms of oh. showing the guys that you have confidence in them and making them deal with it. Because that lesson, even if they lose that game, is more important than uh, than 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 a timeout or winning that game that day. Uh, just because when it comes to March, you, you you have to be able to bounce back from from those punches, or it's or the season's over. Sure, sure. Now, like with the ASU game, it's a lot easier to not call that timeout when you're in the midst of blowing a 17 point lead early in the second half, and especially because of what was happening. It was turnover, turnover. It was self shot, turnover, exactly. So it's like, just stop doing that, and he had enough faith that his guys would stop doing that. And they didn't exactly turn it around, you know, 180-degree turn and go back to the way they were playing in the first half of that game, but they were good enough to win on the road. Like, there's no such thing as a bad road win, especially if you decide that ASU's a rivalry game, then yes, that's a. there's no such... You don't look at that win at anything other than say, nice, you know, good. Come back against Washington... Yeah, it wasn't a great start, and that's kind of that punch that you get. Washington's not a particularly good opponent, and Arizona did enough. Of course, make your free throws down the stretch, and it's not even the three-point spread that I ended up finishing. But, yeah, I, I could buy that there are certain things that when you watch it like that, their confidence, like, it, it's a double-edged sword, the confidence. You know, confidence and cockiness. What is it? There's a fine line, right? Like, are they sometimes cocky? Like, yeah, they just come out not trying as hard because they don't think they have to? Probably. But then they're confident because they know they can come back. Like once they start trying, they'll win the game. Yeah. Like so, when those when those moments where they're down late, they're gonna believe they're going to get that shot. They believe they're going to get that bucket, that stop, whatever they need. And yeah, I mean, other than the Utah game, they've gotten it right. So like, there's going to be losses the rest of this season. They're going to lose games. They're not gonna run the table the rest of the way. You know, UCLA is gonna be a tough opponent. USC is gonna be tough. Oregon's never an easy place to play. But you know, so there's gonna be challenging games. But I like that. Like I like that Arizona had that Utah game and just got punched in the mouth and folded. Like I, I mean, you don't like to see it, but I like seeing that on December 1st. You know, I like seeing them have a battle against Tennessee. And they would have lost that game. Like, you know, the, there was so much value in it. Collapsing a little bit against ASU, getting off to a better against Washington. It's kind of good to see them fight through it and still win. Now, yes, those are inferior opponents, but there's going to be something you can take from that and translate to an Oregon or a UCLA or whoever they play in the tournament. Well, I'll even take it a step further, Adam, because, you know, we've talked about how this year's roster is very good, but there's not the star talent 
there of a Ben Matherin or Christian Coloco, a Dalen Terry. It's a very good roster, but there's no, you know, Ben Matherin ain't walking through that door and he's killing it in the NBA. And I would argue for a team that doesn't have just that, you know, seven and a half star uh, recruit Christian Coloco. We haven't had one of those jokes in a while, Adam. I thought I'd work that in. No, um, I don't think the stars matter once you're in the NBA. No, it's just dollar dollar bills. Um, but, you know, when you don't have just the raw freakish ability and you're going up against guys that are not only good and talented, but have that ability, if you're not highly confident bordering on cocky with this Arizona roster, you're, you've lost the game already. You also have to be sharp, right? Because you don't yeah. have a Matherin to bail you out. Like they have to write. Azus Tabas has been their best player. But is he the guy you can give the button and say, go get a shot? Not really. Not, I mean, it's eh, at, ta- at times, eh. but not in like a Ben Matherin, not even like in a Dalen Terry kind of way, right? Yep. Like Arizona's best players, Tubelis and Balo, yeah, they're great when they get the ball in the low block, but they got to get the ball in the low block. Whereas last season, like Ben Matherin against TCU could get the ball at the top of the key, make a move and fire up a three. So like this team does, it can get its shot when it really focuses on offense. You know, they get those lob dunks. Like Balo had one against ASU that kind of just like, yep, this game's over. Like when they run their offense crisply, they can get that look and make it easy, but they don't have that superstar to bail them out. You yeah. know, you hope that a Courtney Ramey is a guy and he can bail them out. He has the skill set to bail them out. He has at times. Pella Larson ability. Kirk Creasa, you know, how many of those big threes does he hit where he kind of just bails them out? Like they have guys who can do that, but not guys you can count on doing that, which means they have to play well down the stretch. And these lessons that they're learning in these games, hopefully it shows them like, yeah, you can do it, but this is how. Like this is what you have to do to win these games consistently. Yeah, and I think part of that the, the the last word you said there consistently consistency is mental toughness, right? And like ASU, the lesson was you can't let up even against an inferior opponent, or you're going to get exposed very quickly in a, in what four minutes? It happens so fast, right? And and ASU, I mean, they're they're a decent defensive team and they play well as a unit. But they're not a good team. Like their offense no. was non unless they were getting a fast break, their offense was borderline non existent. Well, people say like if they could shoot, you know, how good would they be? I'm like, if those players could shoot, they wouldn't be at ASU. If they yeah. play defense like that and could shoot, they wouldn't be in Tempe. Well, it's like, <laughs> you know, if uh, Kirk Carissa was three inches taller, he could jump ten inches higher, he'd already be in the NBA. Like it's, yeah. that's not right. <laughs> that's that's not the world we're living in, guys. <laughs> um, you know, but like that, that there's lessons to be learned there. And I you know, I like I said, I'm going to say that the, the that confidence and that those lessons of needing to be consistent and not letting up is the most important thing. Because even the you know Arizona's good, Tommy Lloyd system gets guys shots, but a non confident you know an unconfident uh, Azulis Tabellis or a, you know a, a a slower to react less confident Umar Balo in the post versus going straight up and just dunking on guys or an outside shooter that's not confident he's going to make it. It self actualizes right. Uh, when you don't just have the raw freakish ability. Um, and I mean, by the way, even with Umar Balo, there was a little bit of news where Tommy Lloyd said he went to the hospital after that and was sick for three days. After the ASU game? Yeah, and we yeah. were talking about how he didn't seem to have, like, we were wondering if he was, you and I were at the game talking if he was. I heard his hurt. ankle or something. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to have that lift, he he that bounciness. Yeah, yeah, he wasn't explosive. And so that kind of explains that. But um, yeah, I, you know, for this roster, I think Arizona's built well. They're super well coached, uh, and you see it in like minutia. And this offensive system will generate good shots, but for Arizona to make them, they got to be confident. Yeah, that, that's fair. And I will say, there are some people who say like, you know, it's good to have those losses because you can learn from that and the lessons and all that. And you know, in a past life, I used to cover Bruce Arians, and he would always say this. Talk, I mean, I'll paraphrase here, but 
there's nothing you can't win from a win, you know, or like that you have to lose for. Like you can win, you can learn from a win too. And it's better to learn from a, a poorly played victory than a poorly played loss, you know? Like you better believe when Arizona gives up a 17 point lead in about four minutes against ASU. Yeah, they won the game, but he, but he, I'm sure he, there was a coaching moment there, you know, a lot of coaching moments there with the way they started against Washington. Yeah, they won the game. Great. But there's coaching moments. There's teachable moments that come. So like, it's better to win and have teachable moments than lose and have those same teachable moments. The same teach, the same lesson, no matter what. Just it's better to have it after a win because you better believe Tommy Lloyd has those guys' attention. And it's a long season. You know, it's like you're not going to win every game by 30. Like you're going to win some of them. Like Arizona plays Washington State on Saturday. That I mean, Washington State's not any good. Like that should be a comfortable win, but you don't know. You know, then they go at Oregon State, at Oregon. That's always a tough trip to, you know, Corvallis and then Eugene. But and then UC, USC and UCLA at home, that's going to be – I mean, we're going to learn a lot about this team over the next couple of weeks. You yeah. Know, I think they're, they're really good. It's not like we need to see, are they for real? They're for real. They're number five in the country still. Like, I don't – because they lack the star power of last season's team, it's harder to totally buy into them, I think, because it's like, well, when you have the guy who's, you know, a Matthew and who's on the highlights or just going off for 30 points, you feel like, yeah, that, that team is good. And this team's like, yeah. Like Tubelis will quietly have like twenty six and twelve, and you're like, oh wait, what? Yeah, like, it's just a different way of being good, which isn't as in your face. But at the end of the day, they're fourteen and one, which after fifteen games last season, they were fourteen and one. You know, there's a lot of similarities in terms of like the production, if not the performance, and you have a team that is going to be a factor late in the season. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking ahead at the schedule, and I see really two games that are the ones that are going to tell us the most. You mentioned one of them, the UCLA game at home on the twenty first. That's going to be a fun game probably a great environment at McHale and then I'm already looking ahead to I want to see the rematch against Utah on February 16th <laughs> at McHale because I mainly because I was a cocky SOB on Twitter and during that oh. loss uh, said I look forward to Arizona beating Utah at 30 by 30 at, at McHale so we'll see if that comes to fruition because I think Utah is actually a pretty good team but I they think are. Arizona is substantially better than them and at oh. home I think they'll destroy them talent wise Arizona is probably better than everyone maybe except for UCLA Maybe. Yeah. Other than that, like if you just say up and down the roster, yeah, Arizona's a better team, but they don't have as I don't think they have as much wiggle room to not play well to beat good teams because they don't have a guy who can just consistently bail you out. Few teams do. Like those players, there's even Ben Matherin starring in the NBA right now for the Pacers, right? It was a lottery pick because he is that good. You don't have someone like that. You don't have yeah. a high lottery pick, at least not playing like it. There's certain guys in this roster who could become lottery picks, but they're just, you know, freshmen and sophomores. But you don't have that superstar, which means you have to play good basketball to beat good teams. But Arizona's pretty when they played Tennessee, they played good basketball. When they played Indiana, they played good basketball. So like they're certainly capable of it, and we'll see if they can continue it going forward. But let's take a break. When we come back, Justin Spears, one of our favorite guests, covers all things Arizona Wildcats, has the Spears and Ali show, writes for the Arizona Daily Stars, stuff on the Wildcaster app. He's all over the place, does great work, and we're going to talk to him. We're back, and we are joined by Justin Spears, one of our favorite guests. He, I mean, I, it's better just let him tell everybody what he does because he does so many things, and I won't leave anything out. Justin, welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0. I mean, you're a man of many hats. <laughs> I always appreciate jumping on with you guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun year. It's 2023. We have a lot of good things cooking up at the Arizona Daily Star, um, and I'm also uh, back at it once again, uh, hosting Spears and Ali on ESPN Tucson down in the old Pueblo. Uh, so keeping busy, especially this time of year with, you know, you got spring football coming up and then 
you got the Arizona Wildcats right in the thick of it in the basketball season. So it's a good time to be a sports fan. For sure. And we appreciate you finding time for us here to talk with us because, you know, it is a busy time. And I think we'll start with basketball, right? That's the most recent thing. Of course, Arizona men's basketball is has a great record. They're ranked number five in the country. They're looking every bit the contender that they were last season. Last couple of games have been kind of slogs. You know, they haven't looked great, but they found ways to win. You know, it's like the same record as this time last season, a different team. But like, what's your what's your impression of Tommy Lloyd's team, like Tommy Lloyd year two? I think if you're an Arizona basketball fan, you have to feel pretty frustrated. And I'll elaborate about please the, the frustrations. Uh, because, you know, last year's team with Ben Matherin, with Dalen, all the, the supporting cast members, these guys were the highest scoring offense in college basketball. And they were putting up 80 to 90 points a game, sometimes 100 points. And they were beating teams by 20 points. Like They were clobbering teams. This year, not so much. Uh, if you're an Arizona basketball fan, I'm sure you would love to to see your team go out and win by 30 points, but that's not the case with this year's Arizona team. Uh, but I think that there's a method to the madness, and I think that the way Arizona is playing right now, the games in which they are winning, they're not pretty. These are some ugly wins, but in the NCAA tournament, it doesn't matter whether you win pretty or you win ugly. only thing that matters is, is that you win. And I think the, the way Arizona has been playing against ASU and against Washington, you know, are these teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament? No, but Arizona is the hunted. These are the, the, the guys who are the standard of the Pac-12. Every team that plays them this year is going to give them their best shot. But Arizona is still finding ways to win. You know, they could have easily folded against ASU when the Sun Devils came back hot in that second half. They didn't shoot from three-point range well, but ASU was getting to the rim. They were having some transition buckets. Next thing you know, you look up, and ASU is only trailing by two points. Washington, they were up by 14 points against Arizona, but yet Arizona has been able to overcome the adversity in these games and find ways to win. You know, we saw it uh, against ASU. Uh, you know, you you had Azulus Tubelis having a very impressive performance. Same with Umar Balo. And then you fast forward to the Washington game, Azulus Tubelis with yet another impressive game. But the one thing that really stood out to me was Courtney Ramey really having an awful game. And then you have a 17-year-old Kylan Boswell stepping in, knocking down three three-pointers. Guys, Kylan Boswell had three three-pointers the entire season going into that Washington game. And then he hits three of them. This last one was the most important one of the game. And Kylan Boswell's efforts, to me, is a big reason why Arizona was able to beat Washington. But going back to the original point, it's a completely different team than last year. Benedict Matherin was the go-to guy. This year, you got the front court in Azulis Tubelis and Umar Balo. And it's not the prettiest product, but Arizona's finding ways to get wins. So, Justin, I want to I want to dive in a little bit to something you touched on there, the the method to the madness and winning ugly. And I think you mentioned it in the ASU game. I think Tommy Lloyd even talked about it at the press conference. You know, there there was a lot of uh, discussion, shall we say, of not calling a timeout to to stem that tide. And I was sitting next to Adam at that at that game in, in McHale North, and I immediately turned to him and said, "Oh, I think he's deliberately trying to teach a lesson mm-hmm. here." Do you think that that kind of that that method to the you know to the madness is going to pay off come March? Do you see that on the court right now? Yeah, absolutely. And Tommy Lloyd's playing chess right now. And a lot of Arizona fans want 
you know, him to call a timeout in the first couple of minutes. And I think it was because that was what we were, uh, you know, we were accustomed to, you know, following Arizona basketball, you would watch Arizona play sloppy in the second half. And then Sean Miller will call a timeout in less than a minute or one minute. Um, so when ASU came out, you know, guns blazing, Hey, we're running you guys up and down the floor. I thought Tommy was going to call a timeout in those first couple of minutes, but he allowed his guys to go through that kind of adversity because I think he trusts his players. And honestly, as a player, when your coach says, Hey, this is on you guys, you guys are going to have to figure this out. I'm here. I'm going to coach you guys, but I'm going to trust you guys enough to overcome something like this. When you're a player and you feel like your coach is giving you a longer leash, then you're going to be able to, I guess, not have all of these distractions. You're not going to feel so pressured all the time. And I think Tommy Lloyd not calling that timeout early in the second half allowed his players to regroup as a unit, say, this is what we need to do as as a group. And they were able to figure things out. The Washington game was a little bit of a different case. Um, and, you know, Tommy Lloyd said, I just felt like at that moment I needed to calm down my guys. So every game is a different case. But, yeah, going back to your original point, your question, I think the fact that Tommy Lloyd is willing to go through this struggle and go through this adversity in December, January, it's really going to pay off for these guys in the month of March. Yeah, it's certainly it's a lot easier to let the guys play through it in January or even if you're playing ASU's good this season, but Arizona's better, right? Arizona's better than Washington. Arizona's more talented than most of the teams are going to play. So it makes sense to let them try to play through it until they absolutely show they cannot. But I wondered too for Timulate how much of that maybe is because it is a different type of team than last year. Because last year, you know, you had Ben Matherin, who was the guy, right? When you needed a bucket, there was a scoring run. You get to Ben, he gets a shot off. Oftentimes it went in. You had a Dale and Terry, who was a Swiss Army knife type of player. You had Coloco getting those lob dunks, those rebound putbacks and everything. And this year's team is a little different. It doesn't have that Ben Matherin. It has, yeah, Zulus, who's been great, but he's not Matherin. You know, it has Kirk Creaser, who's been better than he was last season, but he's not Ben Matherin. Yeah. So I wonder, too, how much of that is just as he gets the feel for this team and what this type of team needs compared to maybe last year's, if it is let them play through it because there's so many guys on any given night who can be the guy where you need to let them find that for themselves. Absolutely. You don't have that ultimate bucket getter like a Benedict Matherin. And we saw in crunch time against TCU that Benedict Matherin was the answer Arizona needed. Uh, we saw last year on the road against Illinois when the Fighting Illini had the Wildcats on the ropes. Who was it that stepped up? It was Benedict Matherin. Uh, we haven't really seen that number one guy rise to the occasion, but I think when it's all said and done, if you need a bucket, however it may be, I think Azulus Tubelis has to be that guy. Um, I think you know maybe his three-point shooting starts to blossom uh, between now and March. We haven't really seen him much as a three-point shooter, but when it's open, he's going to be able to take it. Um, and I, I, I don't know about you guys, but one thing I've noticed about Azulus Tubelis is he's not backing down from anybody. Uh, on defense, he's matching up with everyone. And in, in the NCAA tournament, at that power forward position, you're going to be going up a bunch of different body types, a bunch of different players, and I think it was a good lesson for Azulus Tubelis last year. He was going up against big Eddie Lampkin from TCU, who's pretty much like a football player. And then you turn around and face 
these long, lengthy, athletic forwards that Houston has. And it was a lot for Azulus Tubelas to process. But I think going through that experience, applying it to summer, having a great summer with workouts and, and getting better, um, I think Azulus Tubelas was able to kind of find himself this past offseason. And if you look at all the consistent players for Arizona this season, you know, Umar Balo, he's had some games where he's kind of taken a step back. Um, you, Kirk Creesa, you know, has been able to take a step back. Courtney Ramey had an awful game against mm-hmm. Washington. But the most consistent guy for Arizona this season has been Azulus Tubelas. And I, I think he's going to have to be that guy that really becomes the dude in March for Arizona uh, if they're looking for a bucket. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Justin. Preseason, I told Adam and our listeners that for Arizona to reach its potential, they needed Azulus Tabellas to be the best guy on the court for Arizona because that's one of the things that got exposed in March last year, I feel like, in terms of mental and physical yeah. toughness. Well, but it, also, also too, like going back to like he's not backing down from guys, I saw last night, uh, I forgot who it was. I think it was uh, Braxton Maya, their big man. He fell to the floor, and Azulus Tabellas like kind of – stood over him a little bit and kind of like stared down at him and just had like a, a certain edge that you didn't really see from Azulus Tubelis in the past. Yeah. I think that's very commendable. You need, I, I, Adam's probably tired of hearing me say Arizona basketball has needed some more dogs on the roster. <laughs> um, but, you know, one of the, one of those things that also got exposed last March, and I think you kind of maybe hinted at this in terms of some of the development we've seen on the roster. Last year when Kirk Carissa sprained his ankle in the Pac-12 tournament, you know, he's playing hurt or missed some games and it maybe exposed some lack of depth at the point guard, especially in a true point guard sense. Have you seen enough from Kylan Boswell, even though he's, you know, a reclassed young guy to feel better about where he's going to be in March to have a competent point guard on the court, no matter what happens with Kirk Carissa injury or fouls or otherwise? Brett, I'm so glad we decided to do this podcast on Friday instead of earlier this week. <laughs> um, because had you asked me before the Washington game, I would have said, uh, I don't know, man. Like, he's 17 years old. He's still really young. I'm not sure about that foot injury that he's overcoming. There, there's a lot to process for that young man. Uh, but going back to the start of the season, when we were talking about expectations of, of Kylan Boswell with Tommy Lloyd, and Tommy said, listen, the month of November, December, don't judge Kylan Boswell then. We're going to be really judging Kylan Boswell in the month of January when his foot is healed and he's really been able to get his feet wet in college basketball. And he said that at the start of the season, let's start judging Kylan Boswell after January 1st. And sure enough, the very first game in the month of January, 2023 (laughs) for the Arizona Wildcats, Kylan Boswell has nine points, six rebounds, uh, six assists, and knocked down three three three-pointers. I think the the last U of A freshman to do that was Jason Gardner in 1999, which is pretty elite company for Kylan Boswell. But he his foot is better. He's adjusting to college basketball. This guy should be playing high school right now. He should be in his senior season uh, at AZ Compass Prep up there in Phoenix. But here he is making a clutch three-pointer in a Pac-12 conference basketball game uh, it, it's it's incredible to see what how he's been able to uh, overcome this adversity, dealing with that foot injury and getting adjusted to the college basketball lifestyle. And I think that as January progresses, as February progresses, 
Kylan Boswell is only going to continue to rise. And if Arizona runs into a situation like they did with Kirk Creesa being out, and let's say Courtney Ramey, you know, gets into some trouble or he just absolutely stinks that game, knowing that you have an elite point guard like Kylan Boswell coming off your bench, I think is a pretty uh, it's a pretty good thing for Tommy Lloyd. Kylan Boswell was a five star point guard. He's one of the best point guards in the country, and he's coming off the bench for the Arizona Wildcats. So I think Arizona, in terms of depth at point guard, uh, is definitely taken care of. But you know, I'm not going to you know sit here and say, oh, they're they're just fine after one game. I need to consistently see it from Kylan Boswell. We've seen consistent play out of the front court for Arizona this season. They got the best front court in college basketball between Azulis and Umar, but those guards, guard play is so important in March Madness. And Arizona, they're winning games because they're playing inside and out. Yeah, but you're going to need that guard play in March, and I think Kylan Boswell is going to have a big hand in that. That kind of leads me to my question here for you, Justin, too, which is probably the last one we'll talk basketball because there's still a lot of season left, but they are about halfway through the season here, at least the regular season and everything. And Arizona's looking great. You know, they're a top five team. They are a Pac-12 title contender. Again, they are in line for number one seed if things go right for them. And yet when you watch them, it hasn't been as, and I say easy as last season. They're not blowing teams out kind of like they did last season. It's not as pretty as last season was. When Arizona looked good last year, I mean, it was dunk on dunk on dunk. You know, the athleticism, the highlights and everything. This year's team seems a little bit more business-like because the front court is what leads them. And I'm wondering, when you look at this team, and it certainly has room to grow, and most teams do, you know, between January and March, but do you see their ceiling being about the same as last season's team, maybe a little bit higher or maybe a little bit lower because it doesn't have those stars, but it does have the best front court in basketball. It doesn't have those stars, but it has two legitimate point guards, right? Like there's pluses on this team, but there's also probably some minuses. Like how do you stack it up? Yeah, this is really tough, man, because I said at the start of the season that my expectations for them is maybe the round of 32, maybe Sweet 16. If they can get back to that point, I think it, it's a pretty solid season for Tommy Lloyd. Uh, but honestly, this is a, a team that's made to go far in the tournament. Um, if, like I said, the guard play can get better, and Kyla Boswell can continue to improve coming off the bench, and Kirk Creesa uh, can you know stop flopping um, and stop getting those flopping technicals. I'm sure Tommy Lloyd's a big fan of, of that right now. But uh, you know if they can fix the, those things, you know Arizona is going to be a really good team. Now the one thing that kind of plays in their favor compared to last year's team was you know the, when you talked about the scouting report for Arizona, it started with Benedict Matherin, and then you worked your way down. I know Azulis Tubelis is Arizona's best player, but, you know, Pella Larson has been stepping up. You know, he's, you know, hit or miss. I want to see more consistency, consistency out of him, but, you know, he's a guy that can randomly have a game. Uh, Umar Balo is a guy that can have a game. Uh, so many players on this team could just randomly pop up and surprise you. We saw that in Maui. You know, Courtney Ramey, his first game back, knocking down three-pointers, looking like an absolute stud. But at the end of the day, who was the Maui Invitational MVP? It was Umar. Apollo, who's been the most consistent player for Arizona this season, Azulis Tubelas. So Arizona can beat you in a number of ways. And I, that's why I think, yeah, the talent, they don't have the Benedict Matherins there. But I think Arizona's kind of like a – they're kind of like a chameleon. They can adapt and they can adjust to anything that is thrown their way. And we've seen that in the last two Pac-12 games. ASU, Washington – 
both those teams through a number of things at Arizona. And Arizona, they're kind of like boxers in these games. They're kind of feeling out the opponent, seeing what they're doing. And then once they know the game plan to execute and beat their opponent, Arizona takes off. And I, I think that's something that really bodes well for the Wildcats moving forward. Nice, nice. So this is Justin Spears of Spears and Ali of the Arizona Daily Star. Of course, the Wildcaster app, you can find a lot of his content there. Let's switch over to football, Justin. What do you say? Because it's a jet, it's an offseason. A jetfish offseason is awesome, usually. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It got off to a bit of an interesting start with some players hitting the portal. Arizona did add it through the portal and also had a decent signing day class and everything. Of course, recently they lost Dwayne Walker, one of the assistant coaches, the defensive backs coach. That seemed to kind of come out of left field for them. But you know, at the end of the day, it feels like none of these things are ever a surprise to the head coach. Like, it seems like when it comes after signing day, it might have been a little bit in the works. But in terms of football, spring football is not that far away, actually. Just what are your thoughts over the last, you know, handful of weeks? The last, like, since the Territorial Cup, what are your thoughts on Arizona football since then? Yeah, it's a bit weird because uh, Jed Fish, once again, has to fill a position on his staff. You know, last offseason, we had Don Brown leave the program and – he became the next head coach at UMass, and he took uh, linebackers coach Keith Dudzinski. And so you're missing those two guys, and then you replace them with Johnny Nansen and Jason Kafusi. Okay, great. And we went into the offseason thinking, oh, man, Arizona, they're not going to have any coaching hires. They're set on their staff. And then, like you said, out of left field, Dwayne Walker posts on Twitter that he is moving away from the program. Uh, not sure what that means. Not sure if <laughs> it didn't sound good. <laughs> yeah, not, not sure if he got. I don't think he was he was dismissed because Dwayne Walker's a good coach. Um, yeah. The the corner cornerbacks this season, um, I thought were solid. He's obviously a good recruiter. He was able to get Takario Bobo Davis and uh, Ephesians Prysock, You know, two impressive corners who's gonna who are gonna make an impact for Arizona on defense this upcoming year. Uh, so Dwayne Walker can recruit well. He's a great coach. He has NFL experience. He's coached at the Pac-12 at the highest level for many years. You know, Dwayne Walker is the kind of guy that you want on your staff. So I think maybe he's going to go to the NFL. This is not sourced by any means, guys. Um, right, right. I'm just think. I'm just thinking, does he have an NFL gig? Does he have, you know, a higher paid job somewhere else in college football? Uh, I'm not sure, but I do know that uh, Dwayne Walker is just going to be – he's going to be fine. If if he's looking for another job, he's not going to be unemployed long. Uh, but I'm curious to see how Arizona replaces Dwayne Walker because if you look on that side of the ball, guys, in terms of coaching, you have Chuck Cecil, you have Ricky Hundley, uh, you know, guys who are experienced coaches, you know, some would in terms of, you know, being able to relate to the younger guys. They're kind of more of, of old souls, right? Um, but then you have Johnny Nansen, you have Jason Kafusi. I'm wondering, like, what do they get to maybe complement those guys? Do they maybe go the younger route? Do they maybe get, like, the the cornerbacks version of Kevin Cummings, who's done a great job with Arizona's wide receivers? Um, I'm curious to see what they do there. But outside of that, I think Arizona's had a great offseason once again. They went really hard after defensive players. I mean, you look at their 2023 recruiting class, and it's just loaded with defensive guys, guys on the defensive line, guys in the secondary. 
Uh, if there's any player that I'm really interested in watching during spring ball or in preseason training camp, he's been this big question mark or this big mystery that not a lot of people are talking about, and that's Tylen Gonzalez, this defensive lineman from New Mexico. Um, I didn't know there's such thing as Carlsbad, New Mexico. I hear Carlsbad, and I think of, oh, that's where Legoland is in, in Southern California. Never knew of, of Carlsbad, New Mexico, but there's a town, and he's from there, and he does not have any social media, is really under the radar, but apparently got some interest from some SEC schools. And some other big schools were looking at him. So he's a big mystery. I'm curious to see how he kind of settles in uh, at at Arizona. Um, defensive backs are going to be really interesting to watch because you're losing Christian Young to graduation. Jackson Turner's in the transfer portal. So who are some guys that step up in that regard? Uh, but as far as the transfer portal goes, uh, getting a guy like Justin Flo is big time. I know that Justin Flo has dealt with injuries. Um, he's been really inconsistent in his time at Oregon. But if he can come to Tucson and revive his career, if you will, and get back to being that nasty linebacker that was the number one rated prospect in the 2020 recruiting class, you put that guy in Arizona's defense and you have Jacob Manu over there making plays. Yeah, he's undersized, but – you go back and you look at that Territorial Cup game, the plays that he was making, the plays that he was making in the UCLA game, he's undersized, but he has a knack for the ball, and he's all over the field. You put a, a playmaker like a Jacob Manu alongside a stud with a Justin Flo, and oh, mind you guys, Jerry Roberts is also coming back for his seventh year. So they have some experience there at that linebacker spot, and – they really needed to improve defense in the worst way. And they improved offense last year. They got Jaden Delora. They got Jacob Cowling. Uh, they have T-Mac, obviously. They bolstered the offense. And I love Jed Fish's approach when it comes to rebuilding Arizona. He said, we want to get the offense to put up a lot of points, put up a lot of yards, and then you can go and show defensive players, whether they're in the transfer portal or on the high school recruiting trail, we have this great offense already set up for this year. Now we need a great defense. Can you help us build the defense and get Arizona football back to its winning ways? And Arizona was able to sell guys like uh, Justin Flo and all sorts of other you know players on the recruiting trail. So they got the defensive reinforcements on the way. Will it all come together in 2023? I think so. Now, am I going to sit here and say Arizona's world beaters? No, but I feel very comfortable in saying that Arizona is going to get at least seven wins next year. So, so that that kind of tees up what I wanted to ask you, Justin. Because we're we're more than midway through the off season, and usually a Jed Fish off season is you know like Christmas morning for what ninety straight days. Um, but I, you know, you you mentioned that you think it's been a pretty great off season. I, I guess I, I I see things in the perspective of the fans of, you know, Arizona gets Justin Flo, a guy that was a top 10 in the top in the 2020 class overall and a flip a four star lineman from Alabama. And the general consensus is, all right, yeah, pretty good. We'll see. And I guess my question is, what is that, you know, the expectations game going to be for Jed Fish and how is that going to impact the, him and this roster going into the spring? Obviously, there's still guys that can uh, sign in a late signing period and more transfer portal moves could happen. 
But I guess I guess I'm wondering, is Jed Fish almost getting to be a victim of his own success where the expectations have been raised by what he's done in the past and that trajectory needs to be maintained for for that expectation to be met? Yeah, I think that people need to really kind of hold back their expectations uh, when it comes to Arizona football, because, yeah, you flipped a guy from Alabama um, in uh, was it Ray- Raymond Polito, the, mm-hmm. the big tackle from California. That's great, but he's still a freshman. Um, yeah, you got all these, you know, defensive players committed for 2023, but they're still going to be freshmen. Now, Justin Flo is a really good player, but Arizona fans also have to understand that he was injury prone at Oregon. So there's a possibility that he comes to Tucson and it doesn't pan out, which would be a very Arizona thing to happen. Um, but still a really good player and could still really work out. You do not skip on a guy like Justin Flo just because there's a chance that he could be injured. And even if he does get injured, okay, well, you got an experienced guy like Jerry Roberts still on the team. Uh, and that's assuming Jerry Roberts stays, you know, because Jerry Roberts could, you know, very well decide, well, I, maybe I shouldn't be here because I'm not going to get any playing time. I don't know. But, I, you know, having a guy like Jerry Roberts in your back pocket just in case things go south, with Justin Flo and Jerry Roberts could also play a lot alongside Justin Flo. You never know how this defense is going to look uh, with, with Johnny Manson, but you know, I, I look at the schedule guys and it's very favorable for Arizona. I think Arizona is going to go two and one once again to end non-conference play. And then you have matchups at home against UCLA uh, USC on the road is going to be very tough, but you also have Utah coming to town. Yeah. You got to go play prime time in Colorado on the road, but they're in their first year. I like Arizona's chances in that game, despite all the talent that Dion's getting. So this schedule favors Arizona. Arizona's going to have some really good talent next season, and it's just going to continue to build. Remember, this program was 1-11 not long ago, and now Arizona's to a point where they're finally beating ASU, and they're sniffing a bowl game. Arizona could have made a bowl game this year, um, but a lot of things went against Arizona, like in that Cal game. But you know what? There were also some games that went in favor of Arizona that they could have lost. Arizona could have lost in North Dakota State. You know, there were a number of games where Arizona could have been on the losing end. So if you're an Arizona fan, think about what you saw this past season. I would say your expectations moving forward, you go from 1-11 to then 5-7. and seven. It's going to be really hard to get to – top tier in the Pac-12. So I would say, yeah, probably keep the expectations at around seven or eight wins. And also remember, quarterback play is at an all-time best in the Pac-12. Uh, like can we're, we, we're in like really quick, there are Pac-12 quarterbacks right now, and it's going to be really fun. Can we go back to keep your expectations in check and figure seven to eight wins? <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's that's a good place. I mean, I don't think you're that crazy, Justin, when you say that. That's the thing. Like, this team, this program is in better shape than it was. The offense, yeah, it loses Dorian Singer. It loses a couple linemen. But there's a ton of talent there. And clearly, Jed Fish knows how to coach that side of the ball. And if the defense could just get to be decent, not necessarily good, but decent, maybe a few more turnovers, a few more third-down stops here and there, then there's no reason they can't get to seven wins, maybe eight wins. So, like, it's like the expectation. I have the same expectation of them, Justin, myself. I think they need to go bowling next year. Like not doing so isn't, you know, put Jet Fish on the hot seat, but the progression has to keep going because with the way the Pac-12 is moving with Prime going to Colorado, 
with, well, I guess USC's leaving the conference. You know, USC and you said, but ASU's going to be getting better. Just the conference is going to be in a decent shape. The teams that are left, if Arizona takes a step back, then they have a chance of getting left behind. So to me, there is pressure to keep going for to get that seven wins, to get to eight wins. I mean, I'd take six too, just to show that the progress is ongoing because I don't feel like the second it doesn't happen, you risk that backslide that you may not be able to recover from just because the conference itself. I mean, it's challenging. Arizona doesn't have an easy go of it no matter what, even if the schedule kind of lines up in their favor. Yeah. When even if they go six and six this year and go to the New Mexico Bowl or, uh, you know, a, a very low level bowl game just because they qualified for a bowl game, I think that'd be a successful year for Arizona mm-hmm. because think about like the start of the, the Rich Rodriguez era. 2012 was his first year. Now, granted, he did inherit all of Mike Stoops's players. It wasn't like the covers were completely empty, like what Jet Fish inherited. Um, but that first year, they go to the New Mexico Bowl. They win in wild fashion, like you guys know. 12-15. 12-15-12, man. Great day. <laughs> Great day in Arizona history. Um, but the next year, you know, you have Kadeem Carey having a great season. He is, I think, an All-American and should have won the Doak Walker Award, but they yep. the guy from Boston College. Um, but a great year. You go to uh, another bowl game. I think you have one more regular season win. And then year three, it sets up for the Pac-12 South Championship going to a Fiesta Bowl. Jet Fish is in year three, but uh, I think if we're talking about Arizona getting at that level of a bowl game, Let's talk about it in 2024 because Jetfish has had to overcome a lot since taking over as as head coach. And now he's got the program right where he wants it. And if he gets the six or seven wins, gets Arizona to a bowl game, successful year three regardless of the bowl game result. For sure, for sure. Well, Justin, I think we'll leave you there because you provided us with a ton of information, a lot of great conversation here. Before we let you go, what should people expect to find for you on the Wildcaster app, on, you know, Arizona Daily Star on Spears and Ali. Like, what's what's coming up? I know it's the weekend, but what what do people got coming? What should we expect from you? Yeah, so we got uh, obviously Arizona basketball in full swing right now, uh, both men and women's. Uh, my colleague PJ Brown does a great job covering the women's team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, uh, me and Bruce Pasco, you know, tag teaming Arizona Wildcats basketball for the Arizona Daily Star. So that's always a good time. Uh, we, we are always pumping out stories podcasts, videos. Uh, we, we do a, a pretty solid job covering Arizona athletics. So go to Tucson.com, uh, the Wildcaster app for free. You can download off the app store and Google Play. Um, not everything there is free. You know, some things are subscriber only. Hey, we got to pay the bills too. So uh, please subscribe to the Arizona Daily Star. And Spears and Ali, we always have a fun time uh, just talking about, you know, what's going on in the the world of Arizona Wildcats plus NFL, NBA. Uh, we always have a fun time. So if you can subscribe to the Spears and Dolly podcast, or if you're in Tucson, Arizona, and you're driving around, uh, let us or tune tune in at 1490 AM or 94.9 HD Channel 4. And I appreciate you guys, as always, for allowing me to uh, come on a wax, wax poetic on Arizona Wildcats and allowing me to plug our product. Of course. I mean, you can also find him on Twitter at Justin Esports. Justin Spears, we appreciate the time, and we'll catch up with you again down the road. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Of course. And when we come back, let's talk some football. We're back, and thanks again to Justin Spears for joining us, Brad. Always fun talking to Justin because we, we like getting guests on, guests who are knowledgeable. Some are, you know, certain sports or certain teams. Justin is all things Arizona Wildcats. Like if we have a question about 
Arizona basketball, football, baseball, whatever it is that's going on in Tucson with Arizona athletics. He's a great guy to talk to. It is super knowledgeable and super fun. Just a good overall dude. But I, I appreciate his perspective uh, on things because I think yeah. I think he has a good he has a I think he has a good pulse on on what's going on you know in the clubhouse and on the field, but also what's kind of going on in the community there in Tucson. He's, he's one of those youths, you know, like we're geriatric <laughs> millennials. Justin's a little younger than us too, so his perspective is going to be different. So it's great talking to him. I feel young when I talk to Justin. I feel old. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so thanks again to Justin. We'll, of course, catch up with him down the road. But we talked about a little bit with Justin. Arizona football. Dwayne Walker decides to walk away. I'm not going to go there. But Uh, (laughs) he's no longer the defensive backs coach. And Justin even mentioned it, too. Like There was a thought that, hey, Arizona's going to (laughs) have. I always laugh that Arizona lost their defensive coordinator after a one-win season. You know, how often does that happen where a team loses a coordinator from a one-win team? But Arizona lost Don Brown, had to replace him, and lost Dzinski, too, when they went to UMass. But the thought was, yeah, pretty much the staff's going to remain the same going into next season. Like, continuity, yes, the very thing you need. And then all of a sudden, the Walker News seems to come out of nowhere. I guess we'll see if it's a big deal, one, with who Arizona hires to replace him, but also if any of the cornerbacks enter the portal. Like, there's so many things at play here, and I guess in the immediate, like the right now, it's less than, you know, for us was recording less than like 24 hours old, the news or whatever, 24 hours old. We still don't know what it's going to, we don't know what it's going to be. We don't know the ramifications quite yet. Yeah. I mean, I think Dwayne Walker is a, is a definite just coaching football knowledge developer of talent uh, asset to Arizona. And, And in that sense, like there's no way to say that it's a good thing that he's leaving, but we don't know what else is going on. You know, I think it happened to coincide with whatever the date of his contract expiration was. So maybe there's other things going on there. And like maybe the two-year contracts, yeah. And like, you know, maybe he wants more of a raise, but they're trying to use some money for Kevin Cummings to keep him around with his contract. And they can go get somebody cheaper for younger, you know, get a, you know, like Justin said, a Kevin Cummings equivalent at corner. You know, maybe, I don't, I don't know. Um, so it's, I don't think it's a good thing on its face, but I don't think there's cause to panic uh, or cause for alarm until we you know w- know what plan is in place and what the ramifications are uh, I think Jed fish should have probably earned you know relative trust on these situations you know the uh, incomplete grade shall we say for Johnny Nansen notwithstanding um, but you know we'll, we'll we'll see what how it plays out in terms of how how that role gets filled I assume it'll be fairly quick with you know you know as you said spring football is not even that far away anymore Adam yeah uh, yeah that's going to have to get filled quickly, but especially before the uh, the the late signing period and 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 spring football. So, I think we won't have to wait too long to know. Uh, I'm very curious to see what what that name is that comes in, and hopefully we don't lose any of the, the bright young corners that are on the roster right now because of this. Yeah, one thing that I do wonder, like defensive backs coach for a lot of programs, it's oftentimes it seems anyway, at least on the surface, less of a coach and more of a recruiter. You, know, you see a lot of this. I think ASU grabbed a guy and they're like, yeah, I'll be the defensive backs coach. He's an ace recruiter. You know, when Arizona had Dante Williams in that role for like eight months, you know, he was, I, he's probably an okay coach, but he was there to recruit, right? Demetrius Martin, I think was more there to recruit than to necessarily coach. Dwayne Walker was a solid recruiter, but looked at as an excellent coach, tactician, you know, just teaching players how to be good defensive backs. Now on the counter, you could say, yeah, but the defense was bad. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like they weren't good in the corners. Yeah. Christian Rowan Wallace didn't exactly turn into a much better player upon Dwayne Walker's arrival. Like Stukes was fine. We didn't see much of prize soccer to Cario Davis last season um, or like G7. So the question could be like, okay, if those guys get on the field, are they going to be 
not as good because they don't have Dwayne Walker coaching them or whatever. Like we'll we'll see. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what Jed Fish does here. I do think he gets the benefit of the doubt. And I do think in a lot of ways, this isn't the most important hire because it's not an offensive coordinator. It's not your defensive coordinator. There's certain positions that if you're just athletic and you just understand, okay, you know, follow the route here, trust your eyes, you know, do your study, you could probably be okay. Athleticism can go a long way at cornerback too, but you are losing an experienced, valuable coach. And you have, that's, a repl- that's something you have to replace. Yeah, I don't. I don't, um, not to besmirch running back coaches everywhere. I think that's the position where coaching ability matters the oh. least. Oh, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But in, like the, in the pecking order, I think. Yeah, it, it, but I, and I think there's a big delta between running backs <laughs> coach and anything else. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's a fair point, And that's where I wonder if it's an opportunity. To, you can maybe go younger and even cheaper and retain some of the other guys on the staff and not lose much and have a good young active recruiter. You know, if you're if you're uh, the Rob Bowers of the world and think that Johnny Nansen is a trash defensive coordinator as a coach and schemer, losing Dwayne Walker, who has been a head coach and defensive coordinator <laughs> in his career, you know, maybe is concerning. And you know, maybe he didn't like reporting to Johnny Nansen. We just don't know what's going. Yeah, on. Yeah, we don't know. Um, but you know, like I said, I don't think there. I think there's reason to be you know raise an eyebrow and be concerned, but I don't think there's reason to panic. Yeah, I, I think that's the exact way to look at it. Like, if there's going to be a reason to panic, it'll come in the future. It's not now. Just losing Dwayne Walker isn't all of a sudden like, oh, season's over. Like, they're screwed. Jetfish lost his touch, everything. You know, just pack it up. But we'll see. Yeah. I, I, in theory, you hope that with the talent that's there, it's kind of an appealing job. Like, the expectations aren't very high. You know, you're not exactly coming in and, and taking over playing a part of a defense that's been amazing. So if there's this organic improvement from playing more of these young guys, these talented young guys, it's going to look pretty good on you. Like, <laughs> yeah. Not to say that the guy can't coach, whoever they get, whoever they bring in can't coach, but there's opportunity to join a program that seems to, that position you'd be in charge of. Yeah, there's some pretty good players there. You mean, you mean uh, one of the worst defenses two years in a row, two, six, four, freshman corners that are you know high three four-star recruits zero expectations <laughs> i mean not a bad gig if you can get it <laughs> sign me up i i can't coach defensive backs i'm, I'm yeah no and i probably can't recruit either i'd be useless <laughs> you just like could you do can you do better on the next play <laughs> hey hey the, like that guy over there like just follow him please don't, you know? don't when the ball gets thrown to him don't let him catch it go get it <laughs> Go attack the ball. You catch you know? the ball. Don't let him catch the ball. <laughs> Great coaching. <laughs> it's, it's simplicity, Adam. Hey, you know what? That's what you want to do. You don't want to confuse the guys. You want to just tell them what they need to do, make sure that they can think for themselves out there, and really not even think, just react. That's what you want. I, think See, I got right. this. Jed Fish, if you're listening, leave us a rating and a review. Be like, I'd like to talk to Adam, and I will reach out to you. <laughs> I, Coach Fish, I know Adam can be got for cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think I think that about does it. Of course, there's always things happening. Arizona women's basketball has they lost to Stanford. That was not fun, not pretty, but Stanford's also really good. That's like that's like the hill they gotta find a way to climb, right? Like that's the like unless someone else knocks them out of the tournament for you, you're gonna have to find a way to beat Stanford. But the fact that they're yeah. not able to beat Stanford in Stanford right now 
it's not the end of the world. It's not cause for like, it's like, yeah, it just kind of shows where they are at this exact moment. I'm not, I'm not sure there's anyone that could beat Stanford right now, <laughs> to be honest. Like, I think they're that good. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they'll, they'll be fine. They got other games. Like they're playing a game. We're recording on Friday. They're playing tonight and I, they'll, they'll be fine. I'm not too worried about them. And yeah, we're going to get into the spring sports season with baseball, with softball, with other things that, you know, golf, when they're good, we'll talk about that because we like talking about winners, you know? Yeah. Never, never mad about Arizona athletes winning things. So for now, though, I think that does it for this week's edition of Wildcat Radio 2.0. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ for some commentary and, of course, links to our show. Then again, you can subscribe to our show on Spotify or iTunes. Get it straight to your device. If you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We will read that review on the air. Brett, do we have any for this week? Unfortunately, Adam, I do not see any new ones. <sighs> Come on, listener. Do better. <laughs> don't neg our listeners or i mean neg them if it works i said listener i mean i was negging ourselves too well fair so just <laughs> or, an all-encompassing neg or was that just you calling me listener because you look at me in our in our screen and don't remember my first name <laughs> <laughs> well for that guy on the screen i'm adam <laughs> no, like we appreciate you all listening of course we'll be back next week to talk about what happens with arizona basketball with if there's any news in football i, I imagine the hire for Dwayne walker's replacement won't take too long I would think that's something that they have kind of lined up, especially the timing makes sense. Maybe Jetfish knew it was coming, which means he should have an idea of where he's going to go to replace him. So, yeah, whatever happens with Arizona Athletics, we'll talk about it next week. But until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.